Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Season 5 of And The Writer Is with your host, Ross Golan. Before I give my spiel, I want to acknowledge the music army that listens to this podcast every week. Since starting this, the And The Writer Is community has literally changed the history of the music business by helping pass the Music Modernization Act, gotten songwriters added to Album of the Year for the Grammys, and still is advocating for positive changes for our industry on a daily basis. So thank you and congrats. Now, as you know, I've written with hundreds of artists and writers over the years, and my favorite part of each session is the first hour when we catch up about life, the industry, politics, composition, whatever. So this is a journey of learning why people write songs, how people write songs, and most importantly, who the people are who write the songs. I'm producing this with The Great Joe London, Big Deal Music Publishing, and Mega House Music Management. If you want to listen to the songs we discuss in this podcast, follow us on our socials, find out about special live events, or buy that merch, a.k.a. that hat I always wear, go to our website, www.andthewriteris.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Banzoogle. Built for musicians by musicians, you can use Banzoogle's tools to easily design a website, an EPK, sell your music, merch directly to your fans, and it's commission-free. Banzoogle also recently added a crowdfunding feature, which lets you crowdfund your next project commission-free. So think about it. Your fans want to help fund your album. You don't need a record deal anymore. You can just use Banzoogle. So go to Banzoogle.com. Try it free for 30 days. Be sure to use the promo code ATWI, and you'll get 15% off your first year of any subscription. That's ATWI at Banzoogle.com for 15% off of any subscription. Songwriters, think about your favorite hit song and what makes it an earworm. You could be the writer behind the next song and that goes viral. Enter the 20th Annual NSAI Song Contest presented by Martin Guitars and Strings and CMT. You could win several prizes, including the one-on-one mentoring session with L. King, myself, and fellow and the writer is producer Joe London. The lyric-only winner will score $2,000 cash and mentoring session with award-winning songwriter Tom Douglas, as well as other coveted prizes. Send in your best songs now through October 31st at nsai.cmt.com. Welcome to And The Writer Is. I am your host, Ross Golan. Today's guest is a 24-year-old multi-number one multi-platinum songwriting prodigy. In just a few short years, she's already vocoded herself to the top of the charts and followed up that smash with yet another bigger number one, which not only lived at the top, but also got a Grammy nom for Song and Record of the Year. 
all the way from Melbourne, Australia. That's pretty good, eh? No? I was like that. I actually don't think I could repeat that. This human advocates for other humans. Her soft-spoken strength has already made a lasting impact on the LGBTQ community as well as bravely becoming an inspiration for the healthcare movement and the songwriting community. Not bad for someone who famously can write a hit in 10 minutes. And the writer is the incomparable Sarah Ahrens. Oh, hey. Can you follow me everywhere and do that? Just like that. We were just Every talking about session. going to Air One at like the grocery store. <laughs> You'll walk in. I'll do this intro and you can walk over and get a latte. And they'll yeah. be like, um, wow, do you want a grande or <laughs> like, what do you? <laughs> I feel like they'll like pitch the $18 smoothie. Like really yeah, hard yeah, after that. Totally. Uh, I know that smoothie. <laughs> yeah. It's like, the, you know, you, on occasion you feel like I have to try it just to see what it's about. I did. I took one sip and I was like, I'm going to throw up. And then... Threw it out. That's but I only did it because they looked at me like, like I said, what's a green, whatever. I had a green smoothie conversation with the person and they were like, um, but it's $18. Like looking at me like, you cannot afford this smoothie. I was like, okay. I was almost like six of them, please. Like I was just, so Just glad. to show her. And I didn't really, I hadn't been paid at that point either, but I still like in my head was like, okay. You just did an American accent better than my Thank you. Thank Australian you accent. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. not good, I know. I feel like doing an Australian accent for an American is like no offense, but it's no, hard. It is. Why, but American's why is it easy. Hard? We grew up on like American TV shows and oh. movies and we sing in an American accent. Yeah. So I feel like it's like. That makes sense. Yeah. So uh let's go to the beginning you're but you're from melbourne right yes i'm from melbourne are you a fan of australian league football rules i am afl i'm a st kilda supporter yeah nice i used to live across the street from their like training ground crazy i didn't like understand it but i was like okay sports cool i don't think people realize how i i went to the the big stadium there's the the uh, in They've Melbourne. changed the name of it. What was it? It was like the MCG. Yeah, that, was it? that seems like it. The MCG. Yeah, MCG. And now what is it? Marvel. I think Marvel. It's huge. It, it has like a hundred thousand. Or that's a do- another one. I've maybe messed it up. But there's yeah, like a huge, but a huge thing. I, I think people don't realize it. In, when you have Australian football rules, there there are like 18 teams or something like that in the whole league. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And they're from neighborhoods. So it'd be like West Hollywood versus uh, Silver Lake. And then it would be, you know, uh, Thousand Oaks versus Torrance or something like that. It's yeah. just like, St. like local. like, I lived in St. Kilda for a bit. And, but these are pro teams, so you probably knew yeah. some of the players, I would assume. Or like maybe you went like, to high school with kids that went to... I don't do sports, but I'm sure that I've crossed paths with one I mean, it just accident. seems so crazy because it's not... Here you have one team per major city. You don't have 18 that teams are like in two cities suburbs. or three cities. You know, it's basically yeah, yeah, just Melbourne, sure. couple teams in Sydney, one in, yeah. in Brisbane or something like that, and maybe one in Adelaide or something. But it's like it's like... Almost all in Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne's very. And it's like it's like Quidditch. Yeah. Anyway, I Look, don't know. Look, if it was, I'd probably watch it more. But. Yeah, I don't know how why I started talking about that, but I did. No, okay. but it felt important. So, um, uh, when did you start playing music? Who are your parents? Oof. Musicians? Nope. 
Uh, everyone in my family is uh, not musical. That's Who's like a everyone nice way in your family? It. Like parents, you have brothers. Brother, how many brothers and sisters? I have two full brothers and then a spattering of like step siblings. Okay. And none of them are musical. Oh, actually, one of my stepbrothers is musical, but we didn't like grow up together. He was like a different house to me, but he's technically musical, but we didn't ever cross paths. So anyone that I grew up in the house with wasn't musical. How so did you I become really musical? Know. I think I just always sang. Like out the womb was just like, you know, singing. Do you remember the first song that you sang around the house? Natural Woman, 100%. Really? Yeah. Was it the Aretha version or was it the Carol King it version? Was, I think it was both actually. But oh. I think it was Aretha. Like I remember it initially as Aretha. Yeah. But I, I think it ended up being like my stepdad was like, you know that Carol King actually wrote it. And I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. So did that make you want to write? Were you no, like at, at some three-year-old I was age just like, like, that's you know confusing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the I was just like, why are two ladies really, singing yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, I don't think I was super enlightened at that point yet. But you just uh, you sat at a piano and sat at a guitar and played chords on both. So you've yes. obviously. When did you start playing instruments? Um, probably just like when I was a kid. I think I sang a lot, and then that I got like a crappy like Casio keyboard, and I would do the thing where you can like it lights up the keys that you're supposed to be playing to play the song. And then I would be like, oh, and I would like sit there for hours and just like. So you, you're like the first feet. person who's actually taught how to play using that. Using cast. that function. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. And yeah. then I never used anything I did for that, but like I would just figure out chords and I like figured out the like C, G, A minor, F because it's so like, e not easy, but you know what I mean. But I would just sit there for like eight hours playing it around and around in a circle until I eventually wrote a song on it. What was like that it song? was oh it was bad. Do you remember what it was called? <clears throat> uh maybe. I maybe remember bits of it. Wow. There are like many songs that were written on that chord progression. What what's what's the first one you remember? The first song I remember, like properly remember uh when together we apart. Together we will shine, together all the time, forever you'll be mine. I was like, oh, oh, as a kid, oh, oh. But at the time, I guess it was like how, impressive. How old were you though? I was probably like 10 or 11. You know, my first song was called Steve the Dog and I was 14. No. And I told the oh, story. Oh, 14? That's like was, a bit it was late. A, it was a story of, I mean, I think I was dabbling a little bit, but that's the first like, Song I remember being like I wrote this like it was like a it's six minute opus. I mean my friend and I were just writing the the these like funny songs so like That's I didn't amazing. know but like so when somebody says well I just happened to write together like, yeah and it's like something I wrote like, like a, like, a pop, pop banger when yeah. I was like I wrote like an OG Lady Gaga pop banger when I was a kid. I mean that's but that that's already more advanced. <laughs> I mean that actually sounds like a song. Yeah, it was a song. Yeah, it it worked. Um. When did you figure out that you could record this? Or I didn't. I actually there was like a thing at my school. I just started high school, which is in Australia is seven to twelve, but year seven to oh, like right. grade okay. seven to yeah. grade twelve. Right. And um, yeah, I just started there, and I think like in orientation, I'd sat down at a piano in the music room because like primary school didn't have a music room. And I sat there and I started like playing and singing and I think someone like overheard me and like told a music teacher 
And the school got asked to do this like competition thing. I didn't know it was a competition, but it was like a, a thing called like cool schools where they get like a bunch of public high schools to make an album. And there are 10 tracks on each and it's 10 students slash like groups from the school, like a band from the school or whatever. It's a public school that does that? Yeah, it was like a, a com- like competition that like came to a right. lot of public schools. Sure, sure. Like I the see, whole I state. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or the whole country maybe. Yeah. That and, seems um, so progressive. Yeah, yeah which really is like cool. now it's looking really cool back, I'm very like, wait, what? Yeah. But it was like years 9 to 12 were the only ones that were allowed to participate. Uh-huh. And I'd like volunteered to be the photographer for it and go around to the like on the studio on the day and just like take photos of everyone like recording their songs. And um, I think someone like pulled out or something or like the teacher heard me, overheard me singing a song I'd written or singing and he, he came up to me and he was like, do you write songs? And I was like, yeah. And he said, how many have you written? And I probably at the time was like 15, but I was like 11 and I'd written like a few songs and then he was like, we have one more spot on this. We're not supposed to put like people below this age group, but we couldn't find a 10th group slash person. So can you do it? And I was like, sure. And because I was at the thing, like taking photos, no one ever like, it was all about the older kids because they thought I was just like taking photos of them. So they were like, whatever. And then they all left one day and I did my one at night and I recorded like the guy like recorded the piano in and I sang it and my like stepdad came in and he was listening. And then like, I think the next morning I went in and they were playing it back and these like teenagers came in and they were like, who is this? And then someone like pointed at me and I was like in the corner, and like with 11? the camera. Yeah. And they were all like, what? And it was, and then I ended up like winning a, an award from that. Like out of all the schools in the country, like my song on that album was like one, like the singer songwriter award. Did you at that point think, oh, when I'm older, I'm, this is just what I'm going to do? Or No, but that like, fake plaque thing they gave me it was literally like a cd that had something printed on it like in it like it was supposed to look like it was like a vinyl like plaque um that was what I looked at in my bedroom whatever seven years later and was like that says songwriter on it and like I realized every singing award I'd won said songwriter on it not singer you know what I mean I never got like the best singer I always got like the industry award or like this, I got songwriter of the year at my singing school. And then I was like, mm, that's interesting. The songs you write that clearly are written from someone who can sing. You, you know what I mean? Like there, there, are cer- there are certain people who write for melody and that are fun to sing. I mean, that's one of the things that we always talk about. It's like, is, is the song actually fun to sing? Like, do you want to sing this? Would you want to sing this at karaoke or in your car? Or mm-hmm. do you want to sing this? Not necessarily do you want to listen to it, which is fine. That's a different kind of song. But yeah. you write songs that are fun to sing. You know, was there a, a part in that process where you were like, no, I mean, like you were saying, you saw these plaques and you saw a songwriter. Do you feel like you've given up on being a singer? I don't want to be a singer. I don't, I think giving up Did you want to be before? I think when I was a kid... I just, I don't think when you're a kid and you're a sing, you're singing in like whatever. I don't think you ever look at it as like your. You think it's gonna be your career as in this fake way. I never was actually like, oh cool, so I need to get a record deal and need to go do this. It wasn't like that. It was more like I like singing. 
it was in like a way more naive way. And I think when I was like 15 or something and I realised what it entailed and like actually what the like physical job was, I was like, oh no, I'd like given up on music completely when I was kind of 15 or 16 and really focused in on school. What what were you focused on in school? Did you want to be? Uh, I just love high else? achieving or whatever, and like proving people wrong. So I think I had a moment where I was like doing all creative subjects, and the person, the counselor at school or whatever, was like, "If you do all creative subjects, you can't get over ninety for your like end of year score." And getting over ninety is like your mom's proud of you, whatever. And um, that's like the big thing. And if you do creative subjects, they get marked down because it's like easy to do like okay. Yeah. But it's not easy to do like absurdly well in them because they're so like subjective. I mean, that's what got me into a good school was that I was good at music <laughs> and music and theater. That yeah. got my GPA up enough that good schools were no, like, wow, if this you're, guy's really If you're good. properly good at it, <laughs> yeah. you can get a really good mark. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like easy to get like a good sure, mark. Of course. Yeah. And it's like hard to exceed at it huh. past everyone else. So that's like a, a national comment though they they look at your grades and if you have all yeah great so this was to get into college is that what yeah. the counselor oh i see and then i was like well i can do that fuck you i'm gonna yeah. get over 90 and and i dropped all the logical subjects i got marked up on purpose because i was like so pissy and i'm such a bitter person but i dropped maths and i dropped whatever else, like history and geography. And I did psychology, which was like the softest of the sciences. And I did English, media, art, like I did oil painting and I did music. Are you a good artist? I can oil paint portraits of people and that's like the only. Does it look like them? Yeah. I'll show you later. Cool. I'll send you a my stepdad's like a painter. Yeah, a picture. Yeah. I could do it. I haven't yeah. done it in ages, but my stepdad's like a, an insane artist. And when I was a kid, he taught me how to do oil paintings. And I Is just there have a like a weird between that and music for you. Nope. I feel like if anything, it's like the opposite. I feel like with that, I know how to do one thing because someone taught me how to do one thing. With music, I have no clue how I know how to do it, and. It's like any instrument or any song or any music I j- just click to. Whereas with art, I'm like, it has to be oil painting. Like I can't do any other type of paint and it has to be like portraits of people's faces because I just know how to do it. I know the formula in my head. The, But you don't think of, when you write music, you're not thinking at all formulaically? No. You just write what hit songs? Good. Yeah. I like... I hate you so much. Whatever. It's so hard. <laughs> I hate you so much right now. This um, feels good. I yeah. think it's going well. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Wait, when you said you're a bitter person, you don't really seem like a bitter person. Are you actually a bitter person? I'm like a revenge person, but really? not in like a, I'm like a positive revenge. Like if someone tells me I can't do something, I will go and do it very well. Yeah. I will achieve very highly in it. Yeah. What, what is What is that right now for you? Um. Oh, there are so many things. It's okay. We have time. We can edit through. And it, when this, okay. if this is three hours long, we'll edit it. I think it's so everything. Knock out. Give I me think, number one. I think just like. Oh, oh, there are so many things. I feel like I could like executive produce an album. I feel like that's a thing that like I didn't know. It's more things that like haven't been done by small women that aren't the singer. I feel like I could like 
I don't know, there are just so many things that it, this is more like the world telling you can't do it, but I feel like becoming a songwriter, everyone was like, okay, if you say so, give it a go. And I was like, well, I'm going to go kill that. Yeah. And then that was the same with school. I ended up doing like extremely well in all the subjects. Got my name in the paper. Family was very proud. Because you're, you scored over 90? Yeah. I scored over 40 in like all the subjects and then got over 90 for my overall score. By the way, that means almost nothing to me because I know I, I, the, the score Just, system is different. But I, it sounds yeah, no, it I mean, was that's good. Cool. I was in the newspaper. Yeah. It was fancy. Yeah, of course it was. Um, <laughs> you start at some point. Did you go to college for a minute? Where I went to a place called Monash in Australia. Okay, and did you study? What did you study there? I studied film and television and communications. What in film and television? Oh, it was like theory. It wasn't like oh. It's not like LA. Australia is like, if you're studying film and television, you're like analyzing, you're never doing anything physical. Yeah. And the same with music. It was all like, I used to go to the music department and like just pop my head in, check it out. And it, it's all just theory. I think the only jobs you can get in Australia are quite practical. Sure. So if my view of what my life was going to be was I was going to work at like a TV station in Australia, maybe for like the morning show, but I'd be like a person with a clipboard and I'd have like a little headset and I'd wear all black. I'm really suiting that today. Yeah. And then I'd be like behind the camera and be like, um, guys, you've got to, like I'd be that guy and I'd like organize things. And that. You can still probably do that when... Ugh, yeah. Look, it doesn't look as good as when music isn't when music stops working out so well. You know, you can always go and be the lady with the clipboard, or I can just go the, around to studios and oil paint people. Yeah, exactly. um, it's like a court, like <laughs> when they don't allow so, cameras yeah. in a courtroom, and there's the guy who sketches it. I'm like in the studio, just like. You want to know a really funny story? Yes, always. This is potentially deletable, but <laughs> my, but maybe not. I don't know. We'll see how brave I get. Yeah. Um, but uh, my, after my first album, it like totally flopped. In and this is like two thousand four or five. Yeah, it's just like you know, toured around, uh, sold no records. And I was pretty depressed. My my sister was a commercial agent. She's like, you should audition for commercials. And I was like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I did theater growing up, but I was like, I don't. She goes, just get out of the the house. Go. You'll meet people. And the very first audition I have is for Subway and it's shooting in Sydney and I book it the very first one and I f- they flew me that weekend to Sydney for a week no. and like SAG rules her if it's international you fly first class you get picked up in a limo no. you stay at a four star hotel and what? you go in and there were like a hundred extras and they all thought I was a famous actor I was like no 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 I have you know I'm in a band and this is like and I'm but then it was like uh, this this commercial where they shot it with an Australian guy and with an, an American guy but it was it was like the whole thing was like the F word, which was supposed to be fresh, but it was all like a play on the F word. Yeah. And it was like in Australia they could play it, but you know, Americans wouldn't allow it, which so turned you're out like, to be great. Sweet. No one So will I got, ever I got say no this. one ever there's no evidence of this uh commercial or there's there's evidence if if I'm, you know, duct taped and in a closet, I could probably find a way to like find it. But like uh uh, there's that was the it. first time I was in uh, Australia was because I was like I don't know maybe this music thing isn't working out and ended up shooting a commercial for like five days and I've probably sitting. seen it 
Yeah, you Doesn't probably saw it with... Doesn't that make you feel good? No, you probably... We've met before via uh, the TV. No, they didn't air me. They aired this. The, but the other guy was like... You didn't even a, make the cut? Well... It was just me <laughs> doing the whole commercial, and it was like uh, like four commercials, okay. and then the and then they had an, uh, this Australian guy who's this really good looking like um, he was in like a daytime <laughs> show in Australia, so for sure you know that guy, Probably. which I'm sure I can hunt down. Yeah, please but, do. Um, that is a true story. Moving on, so. <laughs> um, uh, when in there are you like screw going a finishing college you know what I'm gonna go and and write uh, and win Aria awards uh, I haven't won one to be fair I thought you were so oh, oh it was wasn't it uh, oh nominated I'm about so to join the get... nominated never wins club oh sick I love it nice it's a nice place to be yeah sure um no what happened yeah, I was studying, and then I had a large surgery, and that kind of like flipped everything on its head. What was that? I had my ankle replaced, uh-huh. but it like went south, and I got staph infection, and like Whoa. it was like a near near ending experience. But there was a moment where a doctor just like walked in and was chatting about everything, and then went, "Oh, by the way, you should." apply for disability pension if you haven't already because, like, there's no way on earth you can ever work a normal job. Like, you couldn't sit for 9 to 5. You couldn't stand for 9 to 5. You can hardly walk down the street. So you can't stay awake from 9 to 5. Like, that's he was just being logical. He wasn't, like, being rude or anything. Sure. He was just, like, in Australia, that's 9 to 5, so everything. So he was kind of, like... You should apply for that now. So you start getting the payments like when you leave the hospital. How old were you? 19. Whoa. Yeah. Wait, so can I you explain what happened to your ankle in the first place? So I have rheumatoid arthritis, which is like autoimmune situation. And um, I've had it since I was six, so I don't really remember not having it. And it's just been like progressively worse my whole life. And then it really kind of like hits a wall at that point. And then I had a moment where I was, like, in my room and I I saw that, like, award that was, like, a songwriting award and I was, like, that's a bit weird. I don't know. And then I think, yeah, Sia wrote Diamonds and she is so big in Australia as an artist already that it was quite a publicly known thing when she'd written songs for, like, Katy Perry and Beyonce and all these people. And I think that was, like a crazy moment and then I went into the rabbit hole which is like you know Diane Warren Julia Michaels and like BB Rexa and like all these people that have written these crazy songs and then you like find out that they've written like other songs you love you know that first moment you realize songwriters are a thing yeah oh it was like so amazing and I'm sitting in my bedroom like holy shit and I think I was like writing diary entries at this point because I was really like bored out of my mind I've been in hospital for so long and um I still, like, I'm scared to look at them, but I definitely still have one that's, like, I'm in hospital and I just found out about this girl, like, Julia Michaels. She's only a year older than me and she's written all these hits and I really want to, like, go be a songwriter. I think that's what I'm going to do. And, like, I can't believe that that... It's, like, that it so worked out weird. and now yeah. you're friends with all these people. Yeah, uh, I know. That's yeah. the weirder bit. And I've definitely, like, told Julia. I'm, like... Yeah, the reason I'm here. Yeah, of course she does. She's the sweetest person ever. So it was like, 
it is just this weird, it's such a weird turnaround moment. But yeah. So when you left, um, what's the next step to go from, well, I'm going to leave this hospital where this guy's like, no, you can't live a normal life. You're like, okay, cool. I'm not going to live a normal life. I'm going to go write a bunch of songs. And then do you do you just like walk over to a studio? No, like, I didn't you, even know like, what a studio you, like, was. What, how, what's, what's the process from being like, I want to do this. It's in my journal. And I think even when you write it out or you say what you want to do, yeah. For anybody, it, it, it solidifies adds like, it. Yeah, and it adds like a, an accountability to at least yourself. Yeah, I think I like told I my best this. friend as yeah. well. I like went to her and I was like, it was like very official. Yeah. I think I'd never played my songs for any of my friends or anyone except my stepdad. And I'd kind of gone to my best friend's house and I sat on her bed with my guitar and I was like, and she's so blunt. Like, we call her the blunt one of the group because you'll come up and she'll be like, those sunglasses are ugly. But she's, like, not <laughs> being mean. She's being like, I'm letting you know so yeah. that you know that they look ugly. Yeah. And I kind of went to her house with my guitar and I sat down on her bed and I was like, tell me the truth. Am I good at this? And I, like, sang her, like, two songs, I think, which was, like, mortifying for me. And she was like, if you put it in Destiny's Child terms... She's like, this is literally what she said. And she like hates that I tell people this. But she said, as a singer, you're like the Kelly. You're like really good, but you're not like Beyonce. But as a songwriter, you're the Beyonce. Wow. And she That's hates like that nicest. she said that. Why does she hate that? Because I think it makes her look like she said I was a shit singer. But no, like at the no. time I was too. So she can like, that's you, fair. You, well, first of all, it's... It, you know, there were other people that she could have named in that group <laughs> that she didn't. So let's say that it's not. Don't hate you know, on Michelle, I'm okay? Not. I'm just saying. No, it's fine. Songwriters, you could be the grand prize winner and score up to $5,000 in cash, one of 12 Martin guitars, as well as a mentoring session with El King, Joe London, or myself. The Lyric winner will win an opportunity to be mentored by award-winning songwriter Tom Douglas, as well as other coveted prizes. Enter the 20th annual NSAI Song Contest presented by Martin Guitar Strings and CMT now through October 31st at nsai.cmt.com. NSAI, the National Songwriters Association International is one of the biggest supporters of songwriters and played a major role in helping pass the Modernization Act, a historical piece of legislation that allows you to have a future as a songwriter. This is your opportunity to experience industry access, one-on-one mentorship with hit songwriters, and fund your creative passions. Song and lyric-only categories are open now for submissions. We can't wait to hear your songs. Today's podcast is brought to you by the musician website platform, Banzoogle. For regular listeners of And The Writer Is, you already know you can use Banzoogle to design a website, EPK, you know, sell your music, merch, commission-free from your website, use the tour calendar to promote your shows, collect emails from fans, send professional newsletters, yada, yada, yada. But Banzoogle just did some new things since season four. Um, they added uh, um, fan subscriptions. So now your fans can pay a monthly fee in exchange for exclusive rewards and access to your music, giving you recurring revenue for your career. I mean, think about it. You're basically like the Taylor Swift of do-it-yourself musicians. You can now easily add any kind of content to your subscriber pages, including a blog feed, music, videos, photo galleries, and more. 
When you want to send an update, you can simply send a messenger to subscribers using a built-in mailing list tool. Um, and like all of the Banzoogle sales you know, tools, the subscriptions, all these things are commission-free. So all payments from your fans go directly into your account. So go to Banzoogle.com and try free for 30 days and use the promo code ATWI to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. That's Banzoogle.com, promo code ATWI to build your website. For your music. I will say that you know, like I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty good singer, but I think I'm a much. Um, I've learned to write for my voice, and when you're limited on some level, mm. that it, you know, I'm not doing a bunch of runs all over the place. If I know I, it's such a cop out. I love it. What to to, to do, just runs. do runs and yeah, be like, this good. is good. Like when this I know is, yeah. I'm writing a shit song and I'm kind of in You'll there, just and throw I'm it like, in. I still want them to think I'm good. But I that's like, I don't know. I just think out. that there can be an advantage to not being, um, to not being the Beyonce of singers while you're trying to also yeah, be a writer. Because fully. I think those people think. Well, let the me song show, has let me to show be you, good. Let me show you this, and you're like, no, 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 don't worry about that. We'll get that in the ad libs um, when we're recording. Yeah. Let's write the song. Let's like get a good song. Not, yeah. Well, I don't record until the song's done. That's like a thing. Yeah. And I think that helps me. If anyone's like, just go on and do some melodies, like yeah. on the mic, I can't do that because yeah. I'll just do runs. And everyone's right. like sick, and I'm like, that's not a song. That's like me just like flexing. Yeah. Like it's really. I always have to write the song before I record it. I find. Um, I want to ask more about that, but you go from telling your friend I'm going to be, uh, you're yeah. you're now the Kelly. I'm the Kelly of singers, the, the Beyonce of songwriters. That is a compliment and a half. Though. I think so too. I don't. That's why I'm saying there are ways like, you could be if they. She Look. could have gone and been like gone for the jugular. She didn't. Yeah, she didn't. She, she was really. It was a supportive thing. Also in Australia, I think it's like even now. Like, oh, I hope you say also in Australia, Kelly's the the one that everyone loves. Yeah, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> like, that's what you. Should, whatever you're about to say, Kelly is actually like dope in her own right. But yeah. like, it's a whole whatever. At the time, from face value of Destiny's Child time. Yeah, that was like saying something, totally. and then I think I just like decided to do it. Like I just in my head was like, I was still studying, and I was still working as a babysitter. Killing it. Oh yeah. So I was still like full time studying yeah. and did you see any kids and stuff when you were babysitting? I you, like, taught I taught and... the kids how to sing. Yeah. Oh cool. Yeah. It was a rookie. Yeah. I and I was a singing you must teacher. Be the, you must have been the coolest babysitter now that they're like, you know, you don't understand who babysits for me. Or yeah. Well, I actually visited them last time I was oh, home. Nice. Like the most recent family. Yeah. The girl is like the coolest thing yeah. ever. She loves making playlists. Like I would come on like take them home from school and her like fun time would be going on Spotify and curating playlists. And I was like, you're the coolest kid I've ever yeah. met. It was really weird because I went back there and I was like, tell me, like, what music do you like at the moment? And it was like a while ago. And in Australia for with Khalid, Young, Dumb and Broke was like absurdly bigger than Location. It was kind of like the other way around. Right. And she was like, I love Khalid. And I was like, which song? And she was like, Location. And I'm like, good girl. You know which one was like 
the dopest one. Yeah. Like they're both great songs, but I feel like that one for me is like but his career defining song. Yeah, and you're you're slowly publishing this girl. Yeah, I really in my head I'm like I just want yeah exactly right. You're already pointing out what though. you focus on. Yeah, um, I'm like. Well, let's go into the professional stuff. I mean, how do you you end up getting? You know, I don't know who LDRU is. <laughs> I have no idea who they are. Yes. But Keeping Score is a multi-platinum song. Yeah. I, you know, you obviously weaseled your way in somewhere. I made my way in. I uh, just like, I kind of decided on Sony ATV, I think, because Sia was Sony ATV maybe. But I had, the, like, I had the tab up in my computer all the time. Yeah. And I just like emailed... A billion people. I figured out a life hack that if you look at the way the emails, like they always put the like interns email on like the thing, but it's first name dot last name. Yeah, right. No, like yeah. I feel bad that I've said this publicly oh, now, wow. but at sonyatv.com. Yeah. Sure. So I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. And then I just started like aggressively emailing everyone, like even like American A&Rs. I would just like Google singers or songwriters I loved and find interviews of them talking about who signed them, like things like that. And I just went crazy and sent, I would write a song every day and I would send, like record and send the one I thought was the best from would that week. Did you record at home? On, yeah, on, just like, like garage voice? fans. Yeah. Like properly yeah. bad. Yeah. And then uh, one day I got a voicemail message while I was babysitting. Didn't answer the phone. And they were like, who called you? And I was like, a telemarketer. Like, who cares? Yeah. And then they left a voicemail. I was like, oh, that's weird. And I listened and I still have this voicemail message. Oh, and cool. it was um, Marie at Sony ATV in Australia who I'd been like emailing. And she's just like, hey, I've just listened to your song. Can you give me a call? And I like freaked my shit. I like didn't even call her back. I called my stepdad and was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then he was like, and what did she say? I'm like, oh, I haven't called her back yet. And he was like, you're an idiot. Hang up on me and like try. Yeah. And she never answered when I tried to call her back. And then I emailed her and I said, hey, like, sorry I missed your call. I was busy, but like call me back. And she didn't. And it had been like a week or two. And I was like, fuck, this woman doesn't give a shit. Like whatever. And I had it one day at university that had like classes back to back. And I was like, today is my last day of giving a shit about whether this woman likes me or not. I'm going to call her between every single uh, lecture today. And if she doesn't answer by the end of the day, then like I'll go fuck myself pretty much. And then I called her in the morning and it would only ring like four times. There was something weird about her phone. Now I'm aware that she's not very tech savvy. So I'm like, I understand the picture here. But I would call twice and I didn't think that it had caller ID on it because it was like a, a home phone number or whatever, yeah. like a landline. So I'd call twice. She wouldn't answer. I'd go to and I left a voicemail on like the first one of the day. And then I went to my class and I called twice in between that one and the next one, went to my class, called twice. And then in my last class of the day, I was like in the middle of the lecture theater. I was really just smack bang in the awkward yeah. center. And I was just telling like my friend next to me, like this woman, like she called me last week and I can't get in touch with her, da, da, da. And then the class started and it was about halfway through this very boring lecture. And I looked down and my phone's ringing and it says like Marie Hambly and Sony ATV. And I was like, <gasps> and I just got up. I was like, I don't yeah. give a fuck. And I answered it and I went, hey, one sec. And I just walked out of this lecture like mid this person talking yeah. about something boring. And I don't think I went back after that actually. 
But I, yeah, I answered and she was like, I want you to come to Sydney. I want to like see what you're like in a studio. Did she laugh at how, um, uh, how tenacious you were? I think I mean, like I feel like there's there's like a, a a level where she's probably like listen it's okay I'll call you I'll call you I'll back. call eventually no, no she's bad it. at answering yeah. phones so I think she was like thank you for being good on for me because yeah. I'm like shit at this yeah which I get that's like, a good no. teammate then I mean when you have that kind of yeah know, already she's probably like, oh then this is perfect yeah. yeah it it did work and I remember once I kept. I was like sending her songs every week regardless. And I remember one of the email, like she wouldn't reply to all of them, but she wrote back and went, this one's good too. And I said, sorry, I'm sending you songs every week. It's like a bit, don't mean uh. to harass you. And she wrote back, harass away. Uh. And I remember being like, okay, like yeah. you're going to regret saying that, but okay. And then pretty much there was this like writing camp in Sydney that happens every year. It's like an annual thing that I didn't know about. Now I know that. And it's uh, the APRA one? It's it's run by APRA and uh-huh. I'd never been before. I'd actually won an APRA award when I was like 12 for a songwriting thing as well. Which was like, I won uh, like $3,000 when I was 12. That's amazing. Like a songwriting yeah. grant. And I uh-huh. bought like a guitar and a piano with it. A whole other thing. But Solid writer. So APRA is like a nice <laughs> thing throughout my yeah. life. But I, I pretty much like, she hadn't gotten back to me about it. And I was like, Jesus Christ. So I wrote to her and I was like, where is it? Like I'm booking my flights. Like I paid for my own flights and I paid for my accommodation. I'd never been to Sydney before. I'd never kind of gone anywhere by you myself didn't, before. You didn't think that, they, that your publisher would pay for your flight? Well, she wasn't my publisher yet. Yeah. I didn't even know what a publisher was. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find your publishers <laughs> at Sony ATV. <laughs> And make sure that you're reimbursed for all of these yeah, flights. Yeah, you should. And accommodation. Yeah, exactly. I was sleeping on a few floors yeah, for a minute um, there. I'm sure. Buying some takeout. Hey. Buying some pizza for those people. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, yeah, and I went out for this camp and on the first day they put up a, it was like you find out who you're in with on the day and they put up all these papers on the wall. My name wasn't even up there. So I'm looking up and I'm like, I have flown to Sydney, I've spent money, and my fucking name's not up here, and I'm deluded, and I'm, like, crazy. And then I went up to the lady running it, and she was like, oh, so sorry, that's really weird. And she just, like, put, wrote my name on one of the rooms. And I went in and wrote a song, and they made me vocal it, even though there was, like, an artist there 
that was like a, actually like a really famous Australian band, and I like what ended was the up band? Eskimo Joe. Okay. It's a whole thing. Yeah. And they have a song called Sarah and I asked so many questions about it. Yeah. Like later when I figured out it was yeah. him. But I would have been so nervous if I knew it was him before I went in. And pretty much his song that I wrote on the first stage was like circulated wildly throughout the industry. And I had like many offers, but obviously like Marie was the one. Yeah, totally. You know, that was the first email I sent to out of the hundreds that I sent was to her. So it was like a weird... Yeah. It was like a beautiful moment. It was like, what a waste of my time emailing bloody everyone else. <laughs> there is something where the the first person who responds who has is at a certain level, you know, at that A-list level of publishers, they there's just different. I mm. mean, some of them are better suited for you, but if there's if there's a really strong one that's like I'm I'm interested and they're corresponding with you. Yeah. The idea of shopping for the best deal often puts a, a strain on the relationship that does matter. Yeah. The one that you'll end up with anyway. It'll end up causing, you know, a lot of different I don't know, there's mm. there's a lot of value in just being like, no, that's the one. I don't think I even met with anyone yeah. else. Yeah. Cause I was like, well, she's the reason I'm you guys even know who I am. So like yeah. why would I go with anyone else? But you end up with, you know, you have a few songs that come out in 2015, 2016, um, and, and the, these songs are like the, one or two cuts in in the first couple of years. Are you are you discouraged at that point, or are you just sort of like, no, this is a blast. I have a publishing deal I can eat and I can go and write songs. Um, well, I feel like the first eight months I was like going to Sydney a lot and paying for it all myself. And I, I know, don't look at me like Sony that. TV. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and I was like sleeping on friends' couches that were like two buses and a train from the city. Like it was really far out. Yeah. But I actually love taking the bus there and it was like beautiful. But it was like a little bit rough. And it got to a point where I was like, how come no songs are coming out? Like they would just take songs from the reliable people that had already written them. Like for like X Factor winner singles or whatever, they'd go with the same guys that write them every year, which I yeah. understand why. And also they were on a production deal to do them. So it was kind of like, I was just screwed at that point. And then pretty much I was in Melbourne and there's like a Sony ATV rep in Melbourne. And I was like complaining. And I was like, I write songs the whole time I'm in Sydney. I'm doing sessions every day. I'm working so hard. Everyone says my songs are good, but then they don't use them. Like, I just don't understand what I can do any better. And it's been, like, eight months. And I was also writing songs in my bedroom. And then um, Weeze, the guy in Melbourne, was like, why don't you come over to the studio and, like, let's have a chat. And I went and met with him and I just I played him some of the stuff I'd, like, done in my bedroom in Melbourne. And he was like, can you just send me the acapellas for some of them? And, like, let me just send out to a few people. Like, you're doing well. Like, just be patient. And I was like, okay. And then within the 15-minute drive home, I had an email back saying, this guy, LDIU, really wants... He wants this song and he wants it to be the first single. Crazy. And I was like, great. Go. Take it. Bye. Can I sign something that says that's going to happen? Like, please, please. And then pretty much we got to the studio and I met him and I was like, cool, who's going to sing it? And he was like... Y- you yeah. and I was like oh that was so my nightmare and like not what I wanted but I just knew at the end of the day the song wouldn't come out it's also like very very much a DJ song 
it, like it's got to drop. Like, was it, were there uh, TV performances? And did no, you have, I never. No, you never played. I did before. one at a festival wearing sunglasses because, like, I wanted free tickets to the festival. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad I'm saying this out loud. Yeah. But no, he knows that anyway. And it was really fun. I took sure. my best mate that told me I was the Beyonce of songwriting. She right. came with me. Yeah, I also think uh, Kelly is singing though. Yeah, Kelly was singing. And then I'm on stage at this festival just flipping her off on the side. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and then that song came out and he was like, look, it might get on Triple J, which is like a big kind of cool culture station in Australia. And like Flume and Sierra and all, Tame Impala came off the back of Triple J, which is crazy. And now kind of like me to an extent, I guess. But that song just blew up. Like it was number one on Triple J and went mainstream and was up for like three arias and was like bonkers. But no one knew who I was. It didn't have my name on it. Like, but it was a hit. It was, was it a everyone huge hit from in Australia. Home, so they're like, well, yeah, I mean, she was she was good at eleven. At eleven, when she wrote that song, I mean, is there a point where they kind of just assume, yeah, that's the natural path for a human? No, or no. Was everyone like everyone still looks at me and is like, this is very weird that this happened. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not normal in Australia, like whatsoever. Well, you know, one of the um, one of the differentiators in the writers that we've had conversations with mm. some are people who studied and studied and they they had to grind for 10 years and you know they've kind of like rung the bell so to speak once or twice you know like gotten to the yeah. top but it, it, it's like a long long slow educational process yeah. and then there's the you know the Julias and the Bennies and these people who they they don't think about it. They just keep writing hits, and you know. And the fact that you have—that's a way to look at it. You have, you know, your first song out be, gets nominated for an Aria Award. Yeah, but I'd also written like a few hundred. Totally. Songs. I. I mean, but that's, yes, the that's, first one that came out. The first one that came out, and you're right. I mean, there's. But I'm quite all a quality people. control person. Yeah. Like I. I my nightmare is like a song, a bad song coming out. Yeah. Like it hurts me. Sure. Physically. But I was also on a clock. Like in my head, I was like, I'm going to be in a wheelchair in a few years. I need to kill this now. And I had this theory where I was like, if Sia was in a wheelchair, because I obviously loved Sia, but I was, I was like, if she was in a wheelchair, they would build a ramp to the studio to get her into it, which is right. true. Yeah. And I was like, cool, like that's all I need to be. Yeah. Like I need to be that good. So I was on a clock in my head. So I think I, I worked like absurdly hard. Why did you feel like, I mean, obviously the doctor said that this is going to be tough, but y- you know, you haven't, you're not, um, you're not exactly like lazy <laughs> of a no. person. I mean, why, why didn't you say, well, let's take it slow and make sure that my, in in a way that, I don't know, why did you feel like you were on a, a clock? I mean, I I, I just, like, the- I could hardly walk down the street at yeah. that time. Like, no one really knows it because I'm really good at hiding it. Yeah. And no one has known it till now. But, like, I could maybe walk for five or ten minutes. And if I did, I wouldn't be able to walk for, like, three days after. Sure. So I was just like, oh, fuck, like, this mobility thing is not going to last very long. Um, and it had only gotten worse my whole life. There was never a point where I was like, wow, I feel like much better than I did last month. Like that was never a thing. Sure. It was like a slow decline. So I felt like, I was like, I really just have to 
be the best at this ASAP. And I'm going to do everything in my power to like be amazing. Did something. you have any personal life? No, not, not at all. Like zero personal life. What brings you to the United States? Well, glad you asked. No, I had that really big hit in Australia. And I just was like, cool, next, as like all overachievers do. And I just, I, I don't know, I think I was like starting to get weird, like depression-wise. I, I like kind of was just getting in this weird space and going to sessions and just like didn't know what my purpose was anymore. And then I was like, I need to go to America. Like I am running out of money because Australia doesn't make a lot of money musically. And I was like, like platinum's 20,000, 20, 70,000, which is like, it's a million here. So the ratio is different. And I um, I just knew I had to go. I was like, this is how much money I have left. This is how long the visa's for. It's like a 90-day visa. And I did 89 days until 11 p.m. on the 89th day. And I worked every day. I stayed in the worst Airbnb you've ever seen in your life <laughs> with other people in it. And um, took you Uber got, pools. Oh, you just got a room? Yeah, I just got a room yeah. that did the cl- door didn't close properly. It was yeah. like a no air conditioning. Who was setting up your gym. sessions for you? And it started me just being like any human I know in LA, and then I went to one meeting at Sony TV here because that's kind of what you get as an international person right. that's signed to their company. Sure. And the meeting didn't go great, um, but there was this guy that was like fresh off being an assistant. Nick Brawl and he was like kind of walked up to me like as I was leaving going to the elevator being like well that meeting was shit and he was sitting in the back of it obviously just like observing and learning and he was like I think you're really talented and I really want to help you like I've just been promoted to being a junior a and and like I haven't signed anyone yet so I really want to help you and at first I was I got his email and I was like sure dude whatever and I kind of would like send him songs and then he started like pitching my songs like crazy and I was like okay Nick that's cool and then he really like just I even find out have found out more now that he was like going ham for me like yeah he's a real champion yeah I was just writing every day and then he like I think I got set up in a really bad session by Sony TV and I was like fuck this and then he called me and was like please 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 all the sessions will go through me like I promise I'll only set you up with people that like I think you'll enjoy and then he set me up with someone uh Jordan Palmer who's like still a good friend of mine now and he's like a sick producer and I was like oh cool I love this kid and then from then on it was all like good stuff and I would just it's just that session thing you write a song and then they go oh I want to write more songs with you and then you do different artist sessions if it's the producer or you go to different producers with that artist yeah there's no way to speed that up yeah that process I mean I it looks like you you your first five songs are all hits but it is what you're saying it's like it takes a <laughs> but lot I wrote writing. within that time sure, I wrote like totally, 500 songs totally. or something but yes the ones that have come out sure have maybe been, but a bit also big. it shows that you know there's this thought process of don't do a publishing deal and save your publishing nah. and on some level it's like it look depends at, who you are it's different for everyone but it is different for everyone but one thing that that you can show is like before you had the publishing deal you didn't have hits I had nothing and then I'd never you been had in a, a studio deal and you had hits in 
the country you signed your publishing deal in and then you went to the US and and they funded that yeah. like that was my advance totally. you know what I mean if they didn't yeah. also I got a meeting at Sony ATV in the US from it yeah like if I didn't have that door open then I may have never met Amanda sure like yeah. there's just a lot yeah and and I, I think that the the um these companies are all very large in record mm-hmm. companies publishing companies PROs they're huge they have yeah. a lot of people who work there there are people in all of them that are qualified, good, strong, you know, publishers, A and R people, and you know, finding those people can be. You can meet with five people at a record label to find the right, the right one. person, and it's nothing they, you know, personal. They can no, still totally. be good and yeah. look after someone else better. But I think that's so true. I think it's all about people. People always look at like companies like that. And they're like so bitter about it. And they're like, oh, fuck the big company. Like, fuck my record label, whatever. And then I'm like, well, I know it's different for everyone and people do get fucked over. But for me, like, I am so grateful for all the people. Like, think about it. Marie signed me. This guy, Wee's got me my first big cut. I come over here, I meet Nick. Nick champions me like crazy. And then I meet Amanda. Like, this is all people at Sony ATV. Yeah. And it's kind of like whether they're at that company or another company, it's all about people. Yeah. So you can find your person. And I also get mad when like people dismiss the lower down. Like people like Nick was an assistant three minutes before I met him. And then he was like a junior A and R and he smashed it. And now he's like killing yeah. it as well. And that's probably the best advice I got at because I, I went to school with these, did have a degree in music industry and stuff. But the <laughs> one piece of advice that I think that was like that stood out amongst everything else was mm. be friends with assistants Ew. because they will become bosses. But that's and so the way true. it works, and, and that's how you build your community in your in your generation in the music business. Is that the people that you meet in the beginning are going to be further? And they further, come up with you, and as eventually well. they'll be the Big Johns and Guy Moots and Carrie Ann Marshalls, yeah. and they'll be the heads of these big publishing companies. Nick will eventually be a president of a company yeah. because he hustled so hard as, you know, a junior A and R. Yeah, hundred percent. So, um stay that that was a big song. Yes. Um, so I'd done my first trip in LA, that one. And on the last day I met Amanda. And that was like a life changing I now realize a life changing meeting. She's like looking at me, being cute. Okay. She's in the room, full disclosure. Yeah, full disclosure. The manager is in the room for if I start saying something stupid and she needs to look at me and make eye contact. Don't say that stupid thing. Yeah, she'll say it. It's yeah. fine. She nah. has no problem. <laughs> but um, then what? she pretty much was like, put me on every email, send me every song you write, yeah. let's go. Yeah. And then but when I got back, there was this writing camp Um in Colorado that had like nine people. It was like a small thing that Amanda was curating and Ali Tamposi actually pulled out. I didn't know Ali at the time. I didn't know anyone that was there except Alex Hope. And Amanda was like, do you want to come to Colorado next week? I was like, oh, okay, I'll do it. Like, yes to everything. Like, I'm in. I trust this woman. And uh, I met Noonie. And she'd like just gotten off a flight to Sweden and we like wrote a song and we just hung out and I was like, this girl's really cool, I want to write with her. And then like the only other day we both had free for our trips from our separate countries. Um, 
was like a, we had two days. I cancelled one of them, and then that one day we wrote stay. So crazy. Yeah, that was like a that's so weird to me that that could have very easily not happened. It's also the first song that you write in the U.S. that I imagine that everyone in Australia heard just as much as they heard here, as much as they heard it in yeah. Sweden. I mean, that song was just so so big. That song that, that was it everywhere. Kind of, it's it's one thing when it's you know, a big hit at home. And also people don't, if you're in Australia, you know Australia radio. Now it's more international because of streaming, but for the most part, you listen to that. It's cool when you can see it from a bird's eye view and be like, wow, everyone in the US and everyone in Australia and everyone in Sweden. Yeah, I think it was when my friends, they would like go to Bali or some shit. This is when I'd get messages from them is like they'd be in Bali or like somewhere not Australia. And yeah. they'd be like, whoa, Stay is playing. Yeah. And that's when they'd be like, oh, it's not just like our little like nutshell of a country. Like hearing it there, it's kind of like everywhere. Did you slow down after any of that? Nope. Like were you, did you celebrate? No. Uh, do you know how to celebrate success? No, I think I do it awkwardly. <laughs> I like awkwardly make <laughs> us, I like made like Noonie and Linus and like, I made them do it. It's like we, I don't know, like we did a spa day, but I feel like that was definitely like us being like, let's do a thing. Cause like we should probably celebrate, but we're like really busy. So let's make it something that's like, but that's that's relaxing. You still are, you still remember that as being a way to celebrate. But I was also like extremely sick at the time. So I had like, I couldn't drink. What were you sick from? I, the disease, yeah. the disease, no, autoimmune disease. And I was super sick and I was on like this chemotherapy medication that's like small yeah. doses of chemotherapy. And I was just like a yellow person literally and was like not functional and couldn't eat and couldn't sleep. And it was like a weird time. I think I had like a meltdown when Stay went number one where I was just, I think I, I like had this weird assumption that all my problems would be fixed if I succeeded in this nearly impossible career. Yeah. Because that in my head was like such a feat that I would, it would eliminate anything bad in my life. Because if I can achieve that, then why would I be sick anymore? Sure. Or something. I now look back, I'm like, that's not logical. But I think I hoped that. When we talked the first time, the concept that I was saying that you know we really need healthcare for songwriters yes, in the U.S. Please, you know? anyone listening? Yeah, and then like, we 100%. you know we make a lot of money for these PROs who have yeah. the the numbers to you know of writers to support, uh, you know potentially a, a group insurance that we could all get decent healthcare. Yeah, um, I mean, how is going through this process? With zero health insurance in the yeah. US. How does that work? It was Honestly. really expensive. Yeah. No, I went home really often. I went home like four or five times the first year just to pick up my medication because I couldn't get it here because it was too expensive. It was like a couple thousand dollars per injection. So I would go home and they have to be refrigerated. So I'd go home and like get them in bulk, see all my doctors, stay home for only a week and then come back and keep writing songs. It's crazy. It, it's absurd. I don't know how I did it. Um, I, and also, I think you said that didn't Wednesday went number one. Didn't you? Isn't didn't your ankle break during that time? Or when was we that wrote during, it, my other ankle, that. weirdly enough, 
it was the week we wrote stay was like my last week in LA that year. Yeah. And um, I'd done like another small trip and it was my last week and I'd gotten out of my friend's car after a session, maybe like the day after we wrote stay. And I'd been working every single day. Like I worked Sundays. I worked, I was like, I have no money left. This is my only chance. If I, like they, the visa people had told me like not to come back on, I needed a work visa and you need to have success out of your country to get a work visa. So I was like, I need to do this and this is my only opportunity ever. Like, here you go. And then, yeah, one day I just like got out of the car and I took a step and my like left ankle like fractured just from like existing. Yeah, I was like, okay, cool. It's so frustrating. Yeah, it was like the weirdest. I like don't even... And then I went to a meeting the next morning, which I don't know how... And a session. I'm so weird. I don't know how I did it. I mean, I complain when I have, you know, (laughs) a a paper cut. I worked with an artist that was like yesterday that was like really late because they were like, I'm not feeling well. And I literally said to the producer, I was like, I dare you to text them and be like, Sarah has one leg. (laughs) I was like, wouldn't that just be so amazing? But I do get, look, everyone's allowed to be sick and be hurt, but I do find it funny when people are like, oh my God, like I have to cancel an hour before. Or like you're at the session and they cancel because they like don't feel well. I'm like, bro. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, so... I know I don't want to jump too far ahead, but um, deciding to amputate your right leg is <laughs> a incredibly brave and complicated mm. thing to go through. Yeah. So, I guess. when in the process was it? You know, this is the best scenario for me. Um. Wow. So I don't know. There was a moment where I think I. The disease was, like, getting a lot worse, but I was getting, like, a lot more successful, so I was, like, really busy. And uh, I knew I was hitting, like, a weird breaking point moment where I was, like, the wheelchair is coming. Like, I could feel it. And then um, Amanda was, like, why don't you go see a surgeon here? Maybe the surgeons here have something else to say because the surgeons in Australia just, like, couldn't figure it out. And I went and saw a few surgeons and I saw this guy at Cedars and he he was like, I, I really want to help you. Like this shouldn't be happening to you. You're like a young girl. And I had like a secret surgery. I had surgery and booked a house in Malibu with Noonie and we wrote songs like the week after I had surgery. We just sat there and wrote songs and I um, it didn't work. Like the surgery didn't work at all. And, you know, I don't have my family here so that was like pretty brutal as well and I'd kind of I was like cool like I'd expected that kind of so I was like that's fine that uh this is just my life and like what I have to I just have to figure out how to deal with this situation and then I think the surgeon was just like not okay with letting me leave the doctor's office without like something so he did a ridiculous amount of tests and I tried a bunch of weird treatments and like weird procedures and drugs and stuff and then there was a moment where he just looked at me and was like maybe you should amputate your leg that's what I would do if I were you and I was like um what and my friends from Australia my like two best friends from Australia in town at the time and they were like 
at Universal Studios and I was supposed to like meet them at Harry Potter World later, which is like the best thing in the world. And it was like the weirdest <laughs> morning. And then I went to Amanda's house and just cried my eyes out like on her lap. And I think the first thing she said is like, don't worry, you can be a pirate for Halloween every year. was like the first <laughs> thing Amanda said. And then, and I know she was just trying to be like, oh my God, I don't even know how to yeah. deal with this or like talk to you. And I knew that that was it. But I kind of went to Harry Potter World and got a wheelchair because I like couldn't walk around. My friends, and I'm used to it with them. So uh, we just walked around Harry Potter World and got butterbeer and then like got home and I was like, guys, I need to get, I think I need to get my leg amputated. And I think they were kind of, they'd seen me go through it through high school. So they were kind of into it. They were like, will it stop? Like, please. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? Like, How do you feel? Now? Oh, I feel amazing. Really? Yeah. I like, so I am this is a actually, whole different. I mean, you were saying that for years you've been, you were always hoping that you'd be able to say like, oh, I, I feel better now. I feel yeah. better. But it's been this slow decline. And But you feel. I feel I've never felt better in my life. Oh, I love that. I can't believe it. Like, I have to, like, pinch my... I sometimes, like, just laugh. Like, I'll sit in the shower and then, like, because I have to sit in the shower, but that's, like, a whole thing. And then I'll just, like, laugh and then be like, oh, my God, I don't feel like I'm dying. Like, yeah. I always felt hungover. Just, like, a constant state of jet lag meets hangover. <laughs> so, like, couldn't eat, couldn't sleep, nauseous all the time, throwing up all the time, in pain all the time. And it was constant. Like, there was... Like those, we'd go to the doctor and I would like lie and they'd be like, what's your pain? And I'd be like, it's a six. And the doctor would walk out of the room and Amanda would be like, I know it's higher than a six. You've been limping all morning. And I was yeah. like, mm, whatever. And then I think we were at the doctor the other week and they're like, what's your pain level? I'm like, like a one, but it's like, I don't know, a bit. And Amanda like almost cried. I was like, this is so weird. I, I can't believe it. I'm like in shock. Um, that's amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was a. It was cool that you could celebrate the Grammys by walking on, yeah. on the, you know, on the red carpet. You know, that that must have been a huge moment. Yeah. Well, okay. The Whoa. middle goes number one. Whoa. Number one Whoa. for a long time. It gets like way too big. Way just, too just, big. Just way too big. Way of a song. too big. Like slow up. Probably like yeah. It started off on fire and then like got offensively successful. Yeah, and sorry. So I think everybody already knows like how big that song is. I need to make a public apology for that. Yeah, exactly. And you know, honestly, it was it, if it wasn't for the New York Times doing articles and videos oh, on Lord. it, and you know, all the people like it's just insane. But yeah. to go and see you on the red carpet is is was like the coolest shit in the world. I mean, after it felt everything. pretty good. Everyone there definitely thought I was like a Make a Wish kid, though. Like on the <laughs> way through, like everyone was like staring at me. I was like, Ugh. and I was like, you all think I'm a Make a Wish kid? But that's probably like, that maybe that's good for the world to learn about. Like, oh no, I mean, this woman is yeah is a uh, writes hit after hit after hit, and it's you know, and she's able to deal with that kind of adversity with you know with grace. I would imagine Grace that, is a strong word, but I'll, I'll take it. Okay, well, you know, Grace-ish. Grace-ish. Um, I'll take it. You know, the the last thing I want to talk, because we, we have, a, you know, a few more things, but... Go ahead. You, the Marin Morris song, Girl, just came out. You know, preach for John Legend. By the time this comes out, these things will all be hits, and it'll, so this all sound dated. But Girl for Marin Morris came out, and obviously you have a good relationship with her. Um, I'm sure that after middle that you guys had some rapport dealing with that. But yeah. this is a, in a new song written, you know, 
for the two of you, let alone the song that you did with Brandy Carlisle on the albums and, and you know, Commons, crazy. But Girl in particular, um, I posted it right when it came out because uh, I was like, man, this song is so good. Really? Yeah. Oh, um, how does it feel to work with an artist that you've, you kind of helped shine a light on in the pop world? Was it nice to write with her and be able to do this from scratch? Yeah, it really was. There was like a weird thing with her where I always felt like we were meant to meet. Like, I know that uh-huh. sounds so cheesy, but I'd kind of like the year before um, Stay, no, the year, well, when Stay came out, the year before the middle came out, I'm doing this correctly. I was watching the Grammys at my friend's house and Marin sang, and I had no idea who she was. And I remember messaging Amanda and being like, oh, who is that girl? Like, what the fuck? She was like singing with Alicia Keys, I think. And I was like, someone next to Alicia Keys that's like, do, like, yeah. standing on her own. I was like, oh, wow. And then Amanda was like, not your world. It won't happen. But like, yeah, she's dope. And I was like, okay, thanks. Like, cool. And then, yeah, like a year later, she like cropped up on a demo in the middle and we all heard it and we're like, what the fuck? And Amanda's like, remember last year you like messaged me about that girl? I thought there was no fucking way on earth that girl would ever work with you. And I was like, cool, thank you. So much faith in me. And then <laughs> uh, I met her like randomly at a Grammy after party. She walked past me and I just like awkwardly went up to her and was like, hey, like I wrote the middle. Sorry to interrupt you and your people. And she just like flipped. She was like, oh my God, that's crazy. Like, I'm so happy I got to meet you. I really wanted to meet you, blah, 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 blah. And we sat down and just had like a chat and we got along so well. And then, yeah, we like, we were like, can we please write something together? And it just felt, it was like one of the easiest, those sessions with her were the some of the easiest sessions I've ever done. Yeah. It was just like, you know when an artist doesn't even need to tell you what they want to sound like? They yeah. just sound like that. And it's like absurd. Yeah. And she's just like... She's a real writer. I don't she's, think people, people, yeah. people may not know how much she's a real writer. She's a real writer. And I respect any artist who can write as well as she can and is willing to take outside songs like middle... But then, but then writing but then her own shit. Can write, yeah. yeah, can write. I mean, in the country world, everyone in Nashville knows how good of a writer she is. She's But crazy. for the rest of the world, that woman is a real, like, A-list writer, regardless yeah, of Yeah, regardless of anything. Her singing and her artistry, you know, she's she's Totally. Amazing. And, yeah, she's phenomenal. It was crazy. Is it true that you write, that you wrote Stay in Middle in, like, 15 minutes each? Is like, it, or are those not true? It, it is They're kind of true. It is so, true. So um, when do I quit my job? <laughs> no, I mean, that's crazy. No, that, I like talk like, shit for an hour or two. Like yeah. we were in the studio for more than 15 minutes. Okay. But there's a moment where I just lock in and then I black yeah. out everything. And then I wake up and I'm like, I wrote a song. And then everyone thinks I was like on Instagram the whole time. Yeah. There's like 15 minutes where they turn around and they're like, Is, is that she? how you write every song? Yeah. It's, co-writing is like was a very new thing to me because I was like, wait, what? Like yeah. you are not inside my head. That's sure. weird. So that's why like co-writing with artists, like finding someone like Marin, where I was like, it just mushes or like Noonie. It's like, oh sweet, yeah. this is cool. Sure. It's yeah. It's it's pretty. It's it's pretty shocking to hear it. It's another thing when it actually works that way. I know, yeah. I do know the feeling of locking in and getting through a song pretty quickly, at least a first draft. But yeah. I don't know that those songs always turn out to be stay in middle. So I've got I mean, bad songs, don't you worry. I, my yeah. theory is I'll write it in like 
15, 20 minutes, whatever it is. But like it might be bad. And instead of like harping on a bad song, I'd yeah. rather just do like 15 minutes of a song and then like, I'll write, right. it's like pull up another track, I'll write a second one. And if that one's better. You guys are very similar in that way. Okay, I'll take it. You should. Okay. Um, okay, we're going to go to the next section, which is a five for five section. I'm going to just name five things, five people. And you can tell me the first thing that comes off the top can of your head. Can it be main things? Um, sure. Well, let's start with Sia. She's incredible. Hero. Good things. Is it one word answers? Am I ruining it? Doesn't it matter. There really aren't rules. Okay. <laughs> you won't get like, we won't like stop and delete yeah. the, the interview. Yeah, so it's one um, word. Let's go with Marie. Marie, I love Marie. I'm so grateful. She's like my cheerleader. She's like the reason. Like She opened the pearly gates to a good place. I don't know why that was like pearly gates and then death came into my head and I was like, that's the wrong image. But you know what I mean? She really like opened the door and was like, please flourish. Sure. And go do your thing. Zed. Anton. I just think of his Skittles machine. He's got a Skittle machine in his house. What does that mean? Like it a, means you press a button. Or like- no, you press a button and it like, and you can pick the type of Skittles you want, and then the cup goes under it, and then the cup goes into the cup thing, and then you've got a cup of Skittles. That's it's amazing. it's phenomenal. I don't know. I feel like that's like not his shining feature, but to me, it is. It's his best feature. Yeah, sure. Um, Taste of rainbow. Um, yeah. Look at that. Free advertising. Please feel free. I'll put my address on the end of this. Right. Send. Amanda Berman Hill, the greatest publisher hey. of all time. Honestly, she's looking at me. It's weird. She's the best person I've ever met in my life. I like, I can't use more words to describe how uh, incredible she is. She's really like my hero. I want to be like her. I want to be more like her every day. And I can't imagine how I would like possibly be breathing still, like literally, if she hadn't kind of been there. Hmm. I'm gonna cry. You're allowed. She's crying, guys. <laughs> Noonie. She's my sister. I'm like such a like everyone I love is like my family. So everyone you're talking about, I'm like I love them, and it sounds you really. You should. I mean, I, I but mean, my people are my people, you know. Yeah. Noonie's like my sister. Yeah. She's so funny. She like gives me sass because we both had our biggest hit together, uh, like our first big fat bonkers hit, and she'd been like doing some cool shit, and I hadn't. Like that was my first thing, and she was around for a minute doing like Charlie CX and Mo and all this cool and like Avicii and stuff. But we still both had our first big song together. So I was just stressed out of my mind. And she'd be like, fuck it, let's go on a holiday. Like she was that for me. That was the sister that was like, calm the fuck down. You're fucking amazing. Fuck it. Let's just like go get facials or like something like that. <laughs> like she's You're that amazing. For let's me. get facials. She literally does that. She'll be like, fuck them, Sarah. Like yeah. everyone, like fuck everyone. I'm like, I love you. Thank you. Is there any advice you have for young writers or people in the music business? Oh, there's so many things in me. One thing that I've realized is if you want it, you'll get it. Nice. So, like, if you want to be a songwriter, like, there are songwriters that are called songwriters that can't write a song. So if they can do it, 
Like, <laughs> if you can physically write a song, you're already one step up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think if you want it, you can get it. It is there. Like, I had no, like, why the fuck am I here? You know what I mean? But, like, I worked my ass off. But also I think it's all about people. Like, I, it is safe to say sticking around the right people. Like, I've said no to meeting or working with a lot of people that may have traction in that moment or may be like a big deal or like a tyrant, like whatever it might be. And it just isn't my cup of tea. And instead of just like pandering to the thing you're supposed to pander to, yeah. I think just finding good people, not caring if they've blown up or not yet. Everyone's a nobody before they're a somebody as well. So I think like finding your people, where whether it's other songwriters, artists, producers, publishers, managers, A&Rs, whatever. Yeah. It's like extremely important and maybe like the most important thing. I've never done this before, but Amanda, do you have anything you'd like to add? <laughs> you need a microphone. Here. Uh, for upcoming songwriters? I don't know. Sure. Or, for or just talk about me. <laughs> what do you think about me? Oh my God, I'm so unprepared. This feels so good, you guys. Um, <laughs> Hi, I'm Amanda. Um, oh, I don't know. I think what Sarah said for upcoming songwriters is good. I think, um, you know, one of the things that we talk about in addition to kind of what she said is just like having a high moral compass and a moral ground. And I think that if you treat people kindly and fairly, that that will often set you in the right direction as well. Aww. Quality. That is quality momager info right there. Yeah, momager. Um, you know, so thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. Uh, this is really early. Early. Usually, it's it, you know, it's it's hard to interview most people who are young because usually they haven't gone through life stuff or they've <laughs> gone through something where they, um, you know, they've never they've never really had the adversity yet to understand the scope of what they're achieving. And, you know, you've done so much so fast, but you're also really important to the music business more than you realize yet. I mean, maybe now you're getting it a little more because you're walking down red carpets at the Grammys and shining a light on, quite literally, on physically what you've Many gone through. Many minorities. You know, but you're like... Yeah. I mean, this is this is really just the beginning for you. And I wanted people to meet you now because you're very smart and you're savvy Aww. and you're and and that's important because we need people to recognize how how strong the humans are that are songwriters, not just, you know, the fact that we're we're just we're writing songs all day, but these are these are really strong-willed humans who are are working specifically to make you, the listener, a happier person or give you an a, an opportunity to be entertained. And they're doing it because they they love the craft and they love the the art, but it's not without struggle. And so uh, I appreciate you. Thanks for being yes, on. We'll have too. to do this again in like five years when uh, we'll roll. <laughs> when through I'm like bitter and like have no success. Yeah, or that. Yeah, when, when like back in the day yeah. when I wrote the metal. Yeah, exactly. That's what I want to be like, grandkids. I wrote the metal. Yeah, yeah. It'll like play in the house when yeah. people come in. That's like the doorbell. Yeah.
Yeah. Uh, that's a yeah. It, it'll it'll happen for you, and <laughs> um, I hope the next one isn't us talking about how the songs we just talked about were actually failures. But I don't think yeah. so. it's too late. I think they're amazing. I don't know. We'll see. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. Let's do it. Thanks for listening to this episode of And The Writer Is. If you want to hear music from this songwriter I just interviewed, be sure to check out our Spotify playlist or visit our website at andthewriteris.com. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter. And The Writer Is is produced by Joe London, edited by Miles Bergsma, and published by Big Deal Music. A special thanks to David Silberstein from Mega House Music and Michael White. Until next time, this is Ross Golan. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.